Welcome to episode 2 of season 2 of the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. Technically episode 15 of the show, but it's about a season 2. This On today's show we have part 2 of the interview with Chris Botchenko. Uh, we talk about future, possible future merchandise of the show. Uh, different ways of recording the show and uh, the Metal Down Under DVD documentary that I uh, have watched a few times. But uh, before that, what do you say we uh, kick off the show? This is Chris from Vanishing Point. You're listening to... The Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. Presented by Tom Roberts. Crank it up. All metal and mostly Aussie. Thank you everyone for sticking around and listening to the rest of the show. As always, I am Tom Roberts, your host of the Full Metal Lockdown Podcast. Uh... Every now and again, I mention uh, the reason why I sound like I'm pretty much drunk when I'm presenting this podcast. I'm not drunk. I don't drink. Uh, I have a disability called Friedrich's Ataxia. Uh, Last week, the first episode back, I must have had a few new listeners because uh, a few of them asked me why I... uh, sound like I'm drunk pretty much but not in an aggressive manner they asked me politely and I told them uh you gotta listen to the older episodes uh season one I do uh um I do give a reason why I have a disorder named Frederick Satyxia I've lived with it since I was 14 I should either be in a wheelchair or dead by now but I'm still kicking it. I'm not in a wheelchair yet, but give it time because I'm getting there. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there, and uh, that's for a whole nother podcast, a whole nother time. If I ever get asked about it, I'll talk about it, but I don't want to. This is my ha- my uh, happy place, my happy time, so uh, yeah, let's not ruin it by talking about something morbid like that. Anyway, right now I want to talk about one of the greatest things that happened in the Australian metal industry to date. Uh, it's a documentary that has uh, pretty much uh, documented the Australian heavy metal industry. Um, from Renegades to More of an Angel to Alchemist, to Abramelon, to Sigresh, and to Frankenbach, to King Pirate of today. They've got Peter Hobbs, they've got Steve Hughes, Cycroptic, uh, they've got Andrew Hogue, they've got Bloodduster, they've got Brian Giffen, they've even got Dreadnought. Um, uh, yeah, but it was released during the off time of the uh, podcast, and now I've... I got it for my birthday from my wife, along with the t-shirt, and I watched it on my birthday. I've watched it a few times since. The uh, the best part of it was the bit that made me laugh. I, 
almost pissed myself laughing when Jason from uh, Blood Duster uh, described Psychroptic. I got my talk with, in the interview with uh, Chris today, but uh, yeah, he described Psychroptic as a typewriter falling down the stairs. Yeah, um, that's pretty much uh, so awesome. I'm not sure if he was joking, and neither of us are quite sure if he was joking or if he was deadly serious, but either way, it was funny. Um, yeah, on the let's describe the artwork of the DVD first on the front cover with the metal down under symbol at the top, with uh, the metal down under. Uh, cog type artwork in the middle with uh, their own version of a um, coat of arms so to say it's uh, a skeleton of a kangaroo holding a what looks to be a Dean Ridgeback and a skeleton of a human which is holding a uh, sickle um yeah, it looks like a uh, metal version of the coat of arms with the Australian flag in the background with flames in front of it, all wrapped together by a neat little bow. And then at the bottom it says, The history of Australian heavy metal with an MA rating due to strong course language. On the back, as Steve Hughes, it has uh, skits from at the time he was in King Barrett form of damaged um i think that uh is model sin or more but yeah model sin in the background uh i keep saying morbid angel i keep getting them mixed up they're not australian uh, anyway yeah and it has the lead singer of aggression who is doing a tattoo all the way through the uh interview process but uh, the documentary is in three episodes, so uh, all three are on the DVD, so don't worry, you don't have to buy three separate DVDs, all three are on the DVD. First uh, episode is more 80s, 70s, 80s, when metal started in Australia. The uh, center bit is more like uh, Damage and Alchemist and Metal for Your Brain and Dreadnought and and blood duster and a bit of psychoptic uh more when heavy metal got really strong in australia and the final episode is more like psychoptic frankenbock king parrot uh carnival um yeah it's more voyager near oblivious Skyrus. uh yeah it's more today's metal scene and what keeps it going and uh yeah they do a full expose on Frankenbock and, uh, or oh, full segment, not expose, full segment on Frankenbock. Uh, they've got a really interesting history, but overall, this is probably the best, uh, metal documentary that Australia has ever produced. But produced a few, like, little segments in SBS, but never a full documentary. And this. Uh, I give it the the uh, four out of five horns, as I would say, um, maybe four and a half horns, and the half horn is the middle finger. Uh, but it's really awesome. I suggest picking up a copy. 
go to metaldownunder.com.au or just Google it because I don't know the exact website and uh, go to their online store, pick up a copy. You can get it from JB Hi-Fi, I'm pretty sure, at selected stores, uh, selected other stores, pick it up. Follow them on Facebook and you'll find out. Uh, go to their website and you'll find out. But uh, yeah, um, in other news, I'm uh, sorry if I sound like I'm in pain or I'm struggling to get words out today. Uh, I spent all of Saturday, this is at the moment, as I record this, this is Monday afternoon. Spent all of Saturday in the hospital. I spent all uh, half last week from Wednesday up until Saturday uh, in bed. I spent all of Saturday in hospital. I spent all of yesterday in bed. And uh, today I was spending most of the day on the couch. I zonked out on painkillers. Uh, my back gave out of me. Um, the doctor's were really concerned when I came in. I said I hadn't had a fall or anything. So uh, I'm pretty sure it's muscular. And they were pretty sure it was muscular. But uh, the pain was mimicking that of a broken back. Yeah. Uh, I had all the pain of a broken back without the broken back. And that is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. That's a fucking awesome thing. But anyway, uh, what actually happened was, I, um, yeah, I went to the hospital, my, the muscles that surround my spine, imagine if, uh, it was a pair of hands that wrapped around my spine, and all of a sudden they decided to squeeze on my spine as hard as I could, and, uh, yeah, that's what my muscles did to my spine. And they still haven't released properly. They're slowly but surely getting there. But, uh, yeah. The pain was excruciating. Like I said, it mimicked a broken back. Um, yeah, and I'm still racked up from the pain. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually recording this show differently due to it. I'm not in my main cave. I'm not recording on my computer with my headset. I'm actually here. Upstairs, I had to wait for my wife to go shopping. Pardon me. I had to wait for my wife to go shopping with my kid. And uh, I muted the TV, turned it off. It's been on cartoons all morning. And I'm actually recording the show on my Zoom H4N with my external microphone and the wind filter. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, recording it completely different. So, uh... Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad or heats better because I'm going back to the way I was recording it last week. I'm going back to that way in a couple of weeks. Oh uh, yeah, you'll find out why I'm not going back to it uh, later on in the show. Why I'm not going back to it next week later on in the show. Uh, but right now... It's time for our weekly segment, the one, the only true weekly segment that we have literally every single week. Uh, it's the Full Metal Lockdown Band of the Week. Yep, uh, today's Band of the Week, I quite honestly 
wait a sec. Today's band of the week, I quite honestly had never heard of, and I'm not ashamed to admit that I had never heard of them until they uh, toured with little-known Australian band called Psychoptic. Yeah, they uh, toured with them. I'm not sure when it was. Uh, so this year, last year, or the year before. Uh, I'll soon find out <laughs> for years, but uh, uh, when they tour, I don't know which band it is. Uh, but yeah, they uh the band they got this week's uh band of the week for for the Formula Lockdown podcast is called the uh Hazard Circular, the Hazard Circular. Oh uh, yeah, they're from uh, they're from Melbourne. They're a uh, progressive metal band. Uh, they're on Big Cartel, the Hazard Circular dot Big Cartel dot com. Uh, you can get their EP at Bandcamp, the Hazard Circular dot Bandcamp dot com forward slash album forward slash the dash Hazard dash circular uh they're a metal slash progressive band uh they formed in ballarat in australia in 2011 um uh after a short stand of shows supporting frankenbach uh they got to uh circles in international at the ocean in 2012 Got to uh, tour with Psychoptic and King Parrot in 2013 uh, over in Perth. But uh, yeah, uh, the Hazard Circular, I'll post them on our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the full metal lockdown. As always, i give you all the links to the shit, being the uh, band of the week. And yeah, they go into the uh, running to get the full minute lockdown band of the year, which uh, is a little concept that I want to do, not because I want to like I uh, blow smoke up my own horn. It's just because I want to show my version of appreciation for Australian metal. But uh, the way I'm gonna select it to make it fair. I'm going to post it on the Formula Lockdown page as question. And then I'm going to get everybody to vote for them. If you know what I mean. I, uh, I'm i going to post every band that I want it. And from the 1st of December through to the 31st of December. I'll be running the voting. And... The winner will get the Formula Lockdown podcast band of the year title. I will get their address and I'll send them like a little prize, like statue type thing. Then I'll put the name on the plaque that I'm making. I'm actually making like a full-fledged Formula Lockdown plaque. But yeah, anyway, like I said, that's not to blow smoke up my own ass. That's to show my own version of appreciation for the uh, heavy metal community in Australia. 
once again, thank you for sticking around and listening to the rest of the show. Uh, once again, I apologize if I'm stuttering my words or if I'm uh, pausing in between sentences or anything like that. I am in a favor of pain recording this show. Uh, as I explained before, my back is still uh, pretty screwed up at the moment. Um, yeah, so, uh, lately I've been seeing a trend, or no trend, they say everything bad comes in threes, and, uh, yeah, I just want to know, and if you all want to join the discussion, you can, as always, inbox me on, uh, Full Metal Lockdown, uh, facebook.com, Full Metal Lockdown, forward slash Full Metal Lockdown. Or tweet me at Tom Roberts, Tom underscore Roberts nine eighty nine. Email me lockdown at gmail dot com. Yeah, I got one right. Uh, who the number three will be? So far, it's been Robin Williams, which is a very sad death to me because uh, he entertained me both comedy, both children's uh, when I was younger, and in drama. He was an incredibly diverse actor. He was an incredibly giving actor. And no one knew that he was depressed by the sound of it. And he took his own life. Um, there was I read something that he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's. Right before he took his own life. And my, my, if that was true. I don't know if that was true. But if that was true. Um, yeah, it's sad to hear that might have been why. Uh, and the other one was Joe Rivers due to, uh, possible, possible malpractice. Uh, she went in for a routine procedure to do with her vocal cords and she had a heart attack when she was under and she never recovered and passed away. Um... I wasn't really a Joan Rippers fan, but I respect what she did for the her industry. Uh, she broke a fair few barriers with Johnny Carson, uh, including being hated by Johnny Carson. Uh, and that grudge being continued on to Jay Leno, and her being eventually forgiven and being invited back on The Tonight Show by Jimmy Fallon. But anyway, um, yeah, so Roman and Joan have both passed away. And, uh, yeah, they say bad always comes in threes. So who's going to be the third? That's going to be interesting. Um, kind of, sort of. Uh, it's not going to be interesting. It's going to be sad when it happens. But uh, it'll be interesting to see who it will be. But anyway, uh, yeah. As I mentioned before, um, and last week, uh, by the end of the year, we will possibly have the Formula Lockdown t-shirts, uh, by the end of the year, uh, the Formula Lockdown podcast t-shirts, uh, there are two designs, uh, third one being thought of at the moment, and possibly being made, uh, we don't know yet, um, with they might not ever be released because we'll need the money in the first place to release them. Um, but yeah, we've set up the big cartel website 
And, uh, yeah, if you're interested, because we need to, first of all, we need to know if they'll actually get bought. So, if you're interested, please, uh, tweet me at Tom underscore Roberts 1999 or Full Metal, Metal at gmail.com or Facebook forward slash Lockdown or just uh, Google the Full Metal Lockdown podcast. All the info would come up. And, uh, yeah, through there, just tell me if you would buy one of our t-shirts if they came on sale so we actually know that it's worthwhile forking out the money getting them made and putting them up for sale because if not then why waste the money seriously but uh that being said it would be a lot easier if uh we had sponsors on the show hi yeah, when you do offer sponsored packages, you don't fork over money and get nothing back. You do get something back. And, uh, yeah, we're not going to publicly release what you do get back, obviously, because some businesses want to keep that confidential. But, um, yeah. Uh, so hit me up at fullmetallockdown at gmail.com. And put in the subject line sponsorship. Uh, we have hit up a few places. We do have a few leads, and we do have a few places interested. So it might happen. Speaking of that, uh, bands and Australian Australian bands. Oh my bad. And Australian tours. Uh, if you're wanting to advertise on the former lockdown podcast, you can do so for free for a two week period i after two weeks you're satisfied with what you have received from us we can talk about extending out another two weeks but uh for free for a two-week period at a time uh you get a full like uh break segment break uh dedicated to your tour your band um for free, just email me formalalockdown at gmail.com subject line advertising and yeah uh, once again hit me up on the facebook facebook.com forward slash the formula lockdown uh, twitter is tw- un- at tom underscore roberts 1989 and email me at a former lockdown at gmail.com and uh, talk to me about anything. If there's something you want me to bring up on the show, if there's uh, something you want to discuss from the show, if you are a potential sponsor, or if you want to advertise your band, hit me up in any of those three. Uh, there's an American band. Oh, damn, and y'all email me at the moment. And uh, next week, I'm going to play the, one of the songs. Oh, there are two bands, so I'm going to play one of their songs. And the week after, I'm going to play another one of their songs. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but I want to advertise them. I want to give them a full advertisement segment because they're not Australian. If you know what I mean. But, uh, yeah. 
you'll figure out what I mean by you get to pre-approve the ad before it goes to air as well. So uh, yeah, hit me up on the Twitter, Facebook, or email uh, for anything you want. And yeah. We're here for the second week of uh, the, the interview with uh, Chris Pachanko of Vanishing Point. Uh, we've been on the line. It's the same session as last week. So, uh, yeah, same vibe going. We're going to keep the momentum going. How Are you still all good, Chris? I'm good, man. I'm good. I can't complain, man. I'm all good. <laughs> so, uh... How you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good. It's a bit hot, I have to admit. I wish I had a fan. <laughs> um, no, Fair I, enough, man. I live down on the coast, so it's in the middle of winter. It's still quite warm, so, yeah. Um, I want to ask you uh, my favorite question. I ask it every single show, and it is my favorite question, undoubtedly. Uh, what music did your parents listen to? Uh, did you, do you like it too? Like, do you still listen to it? And did it influence your personal playing style? Like, in Vanishing Point? I suppose, you know, that's, that's, that's an awesome question, man, because I've never been asked that. You know, uh, some people have, some journalists uh, that have interviewed me in the past have like skipped around it a little bit, you know, and delved into it. But um, the honest truth is, uh, with the music that my parents listened to, there was some stuff that they listened to I absolutely hated. Like, you know, of course, like, you know, my parents listened to, like, Julio Iglesias and, you know, Demis Roussos and all that type of stuff and Boney M and all that, which I hated. But, I mean, at the same time, too, my father used to listen to a lot of... Um, uh, Polish progressive rock bands. Um, there was a band called Exodus, even from Poland many years ago, it was like a progressive rock band, which sounded really cool. Um, and he also introduced me to, you know, to music like Jean-Michael Jarret, which is Oxygen, of course, um, which is like, you know, all keyboard synths, man. It's really moving. Um, so I enjoyed that music. There was one record that really struck me that my parents had. It was from these two guys. Um, there's two Polish pianists many years ago. One of them has since passed away a few years ago in a car accident, but they played all these um, classical songs as cover versions, but it was just them two on the piano playing. And, um, you know, they, they were playing covers of Beethoven, etc., and, you know, Adagio, etc. Um, I suppose when I first heard Adagio on that record, that really struck a chord with me um, in terms of, Melody. That's that's when I, it really felt to me. It was like this music's making me feel something, and I'm not even knowing about it, but it's making me feel something because it sounds so sad. It sounds so emotional, you know. And I'm 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 feeling it. I've got a connection with it. So that was one of the records that my parents played quite a bit. It was really cool piano music. It was quite contemporary, but there were some classical covers on that. And I suppose to a degree that probably did have an impact on me as a kid when I listened to that. Um, you know, that there was, apart from listening to heavy metal, there was always, you know, other groups or other forms of music that I, I, I've enjoyed through the years, you know, that stem probably from that classical music, that contemporary classical music that my parents listened to. 
And um, over the years, you know, that, that as I mentioned previously in, in last week's show, I um, I delved in a lot of, well, I've got a lot of tastes as well in Celtic music and instrumental music. Like, I love Lorena McKenna. The Mask in the Mirror by Lorena McKenna is probably one of my favourite albums of all time. It's in my top ten. Um, I love the album Law, which is L-O-R-E, uh, by Clannad. Uh, that came back out, that came out in 95 or 96. It's an amazing album. I could listen to that still today and just go, wow. And I can remember that that time in my life when I was listening to that, how it made me feel. And I can remember that actual period of time in my life like an open book from that album because I listened to the album quite a bit at that time. Um, and, of course, you know, over the years, I also listened to Yanni, like Yanni Live the Acropolis, you know, the piano music, whatever, with a band backing him. That really had an impact on me as well. You know, there's one piece that he's got. It's called um, The Keys to Imagination, which is just, it's amazing, man. And there's another piece of music that he's got called The Rain Must Fall. It is amazing, you know. And so all those CDs and all that music that I've listened to in my in my older years indirectly have stemmed back to the music that my parents played when I was a kid, you know, because that's where obviously I had a connection when I was a kid, yet I didn't really understand that connection. But it's further down the track, listen to all this music, I'm just like, aha, okay, cool. That's why I'm digging this. That's why I relate to this. That's why I can feel it, you know? So, you know, there, there was definitely some some CDs or some records um, that my parents listened to, which, which were fantastic. And there was, you know, of course, like any... Bollywood cringe, you know, about some of their, their parents, you know, musical taste. You know, there were some records there that were just terrible. <laughs> so, did it, does, did the, does the music and the memories of sitting down with your parents and listening to that music, does it influence the writing style and finishing point? Because uh, from what I understand, you wrote Dissent uh, in the, Is the Sun... Sorry, Descent is the Sun, uh, by yourself, pretty much. Didn't, uh, is, did you end yeah. up writing it solo? Look, and I, I wrote this album pretty much, I'm just trying to think, probably 98% of the album I wrote by myself, and I had Christian Mativo come and helping me as well. He was he was quite um, active as well, to a degree, with the writing as well, which is really good because... You know, I was um, learning how to use this recording software in my studio here, and Christian already knew how to use it, so it was good to have him on board in that regard. But a lot of the, 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 the searching within the music I did in my own time, and I come up with a lot of the music myself in that regard. Uh, and I suppose the, the thing that I enjoyed about writing this album was that I didn't feel like I was on, like, a stopwatch, and I didn't feel like I had to... Um, describe to anybody what I was thinking because I could pretty much put it all together myself yeah. to a degree. Um, and, and with that being said, like, I don't know music theory. So for me to um, explain or, or suggest an idea to somebody else, apart from seeing the idea or playing on the guitar, it's, it, it, w- it previously was very hard for me to explain what I was thinking because I didn't know music theory and I still don't know music theory. Whereas now, because I've got VSTs on my computer, which I'm recording with, I'm recording with real sounds in real time, um, 
I can pretty much, you know, do the, the orchestration here. Whatever I'm hearing in the back of my head, I can transform that onto the computer and into the software, into the onto the recording. Whereas previously, to get a keyboard player to try to, how could you say, decipher what I was thinking, it, it was hit or miss, you know, more or less. That's not to say that in the future Vanishing Point won't use a keyboard player. Who knows? Um, but... Definitely with this album, I, I just I just went with whatever I felt. I, you know, I didn't have a game plan or anything like that. I, it's not like I sat there and I said, okay, I've got to have, you know, four or five heavy songs, fast songs or slow songs for the album. I just went, stuff it. I'm just going to go with whatever I feel, you know. And, and I was lucky that, you know, that Christian and Silvio liked the songs as well after all the work was done and, and and then of course Simon joined the band and, and James joined the band and the rest is history more or less. But and the people enjoy the music too. I'm grateful for that. But uh, you know, this album was something that I had to get off my plate. You know what I mean? It was something that within me, I, I suppose I had to prove to myself that I could do an album by myself. Yeah. Um, and I did it. You know, but it's not to say that every album in the future that Vanishing Point does is going to be written just by me. No, we've got really good musicians. Um, and there's going to be so much more input from them in the future, and I'm really looking forward to that. It was more or less a situation that that when I wrote this album, there was only Silvio Christian and myself, and you know, truth be known, back in 2010, for a good three, four months, the honest truth is the Vanishing Point didn't exist for a few months, you know, because we didn't know where it was going to go. And it wasn't until I started writing music that you know, we just said, you know what, Let's just keep on going with it. You know what I mean? We, we, we've got this music, obviously. We, we, we're still feeling. We've still got the fire in our bellies. Let's keep on doing it. And, and that's what we've done. Yeah. You know, and, and, and after all these years, I suppose, with what I've listened to, that's probably, in a, in a way, come out through the music. But I don't, uh, I, I, I don't, on purpose, you know, try to tug at the heartstrings with the music or anything like that that I create. It's just what you hear is... What comes out of me naturally, you know, it's that's I don't overanalyze it. <laughs> yeah. So, what is the uh, direct writing process or recording process in Vanishing Point? Like, how how do you go about it to get the best out of every member of the band? Ah, that's a hard one. I suppose um, when playing live. You know, when, well, I definitely would say when playing live, actually, I'm not the guy who wears the pants when we play live. It's more Christian the drummer because Christian um, has got the click track, which has got all the the orchestration, etc., and all the layers on on the iPod there. You know, that goes for the PA. He's got a click track there through his ears, so he's on the beat. Yeah. You know, if he's not on, then we're all out. You know, so. He's the guy, Even he doesn't even have to say anything, but most of the time, or all the time, he's the guy that is pushing us live. Um, and that indirectly, indirectly, you know, makes us play as best as we can within our abilities live. You know, like, I'm not going to, you know, bullshit. You know, there's been, sometimes I've been playing live and, you know, I'm getting older so my eyes aren't the best and the lights has gone flickered off somewhere else and I'm going to hit the note you know, for the solo, and I've just gone, where the hell am I? I've hit the wrong note. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all part of live, you know. Um, some of the other guys are stuffed up. You know, Sylvia's trying to remember lyrics for all the songs, whatever. He forgets some lyrics. 
It happens. You know, any band that says they don't do it is full of bullshit. It happens. Um, the whole thing about Vanishing Point, I suppose, I say to all the musicians, is just try to play within the best of your abilities. If I'm creating something and it sounds something that's beyond what we can do, well, then I'll, I'll pretty much scrap it. I always write within my musical ability and I always write with, with the understanding of what everybody is capable of doing within the band. No. So, uh, with the album, did you even write the lyrics, or did Silvio write the lyrics? Yeah, the same thing, I wrote most of the lyrics as well. <laughs> I, uh, okay. I had Silvio come in so for a few you songs. pretty much wrote the entire album? Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, like, when a lot of people, when they say, I wrote the album, they're like, I wrote all the guitars and the bass. But the drummer did the drumming and the singer did the vocals. Okay. But in your case, you did everything. Yeah, well, with, with that being said, like, I mean, the drums with what Christian was playing, that was his call, you know. And I actually said to Christian, um, yeah. you know, like months before he was even going to the studio, I said to him, I said, do what you do. I said, as long as you know what you're doing, and as long as you're happy with what you're doing, then I'm happy with it. And there was not once that I actually had yeah. to question anything of Christian's playing on the album because I already sort of knew briefly from the pre-production maps of what we had created, what he was going to play, but he was just on the ball, you know. And the same thing is with Sylvia. I mean, it's the fifth album I've done, you know, it's the fourth album I've done with Sylvia, fifth album for the band. Um, so in a sense, it was, um, it was easy to navigate Sylvia as well, you know, and so like, you know, go in there and sometimes say, okay, Sylvia, I need you to re-sing this part line in this way. You know what I mean? So, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the Chris Borchanko solo project, because it's not like that. It was just more or less that, you know, the guys liked what I was coming up with, and I was on a roll, and I came up with a whole lot of music in, in a space of time that, you know, ended up being an album's worth of material, and they were happy with it, you know. I've always been the guy who's pretty much, you know, thrown a million rips at the wall and, you know, seeing which one will stick and... You know, then everybody goes, hey, that riff was really cool. Then we'll be jamming it. And then 15 minutes later, because my mind's always, you know, running, thinking of other ideas, I'll turn around to the other guitarist and say, how'd that riff go again? <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. I don't know. But I don't analyze it or but I just move, move along with it. And, you know, I'm happy that, you know, I can create the music. And I'm happy in the, in the sense as well that I, I'm blessed to be in a band with, Musicians who are of, of a really good standard, really good caliber, and they're and they're very serious about what they do, and and um and they understand it and enjoy the music and, and enjoy the vision, you know, collectively. You know, I'm pretty humble with that. So I've got no complaints, Tom. I've got no complaints. So uh, I want uh, it's very interesting to me this point, but uh, I want to ask, how does Vanishing Point keep going after so many lineup changes? Because You've had a lot, and are there any original members left in the band? Well, actually, that's the thing. I mean, I, I suppose Silvio is the only original member of the band since the band changed its name to Vanishing Point, and that was two years before I joined the band. But in regards to the original members, when they were called I, um, before they changed the name to Vanishing Point, there's none. Um, 
and it's weird because I was just talking to Tommy, the original guitarist, the other day, and, you know, and he said to me, he goes, man, I don't know how you do it after all these years. I said, Tommy, I don't know either, but I'm still doing it. He goes, man, all power to you. So we're all still in touch, but, um, <laughs> you know, I really don't know how to answer that because we, we just keep on going. We just keep on doing it, you know, and there, there are days where well, I sit, sit there and say to myself, you know what, uh, you know, I'm 43 years of age, like, you know, it's like, oh, man, you know, I get up off stage, you know what I mean, and I headbang a lot, I sweat a lot, and I, I feel like I'm going to throw up. But at the same time, too, you know, it's a good workout, and I feel like the next day, um, if I'm on tour, whatever, after the third show, whatever, all the muscles and everything is loosened, so I'm okay. It's, it just becomes routine, more or less. But I, I still enjoy playing the music. I still enjoy playing the riffs, you know, whether it's whether it being... Um, Playing songs like Two Minds, One Soul from Tangling Dream to um, Hollow or Season of Sundays from Embrace of Silence. Um, or to even songs like I Within Eye from the fourth season. Um, I enjoy as a guitarist as well playing those songs because they've got some really cool riffs and they've got some really cool movements, you know. And, and of course, this album, you know, Distance of the Sun, there's a lot of riffing in there. There's a lot of movements. Um, I probably didn't leave much breathing space as such, but it probably, I, I would probably, I'm winning the cat out of the bag, you know, in a way. It probably represented what I, how I was at that time in my life, you know what I mean? It was like, you know, everything seemed to be hitting me from every direction. And so with everything being hitting me from every direction, I just put that to the music more or less. And, you know, and writing the album and, and playing these songs live, you know, I, I tend not to sit there and go, oh, man, I'm going to be doing this in five or ten years' time. I, I don't think that because, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, you know. I, I, I'm hoping that when we're here in five or ten years' time, you know, in ten years' time I'm going to be 53 years of age. Um, so in some capacity I should be still here, you know, playing this type of music. Um, I don't know how many times I've been playing, whatever, but... You know, I still enjoy playing it. I still, I, I still feel that I have a lot of music within me to, to write and bring out to the world. You know, and, and as long as there's people who've got an interest, you know, in what Vanishing Point does, hey, that's a cool thing. You know, I can't complain. On that note, uh, what, what is your best or worst experience at a metal gig? Like, is it gear failures? Is it free drinks? Is it someone walking up to you and is simply just saying, like, I've been a huge fan for years and your music has inspired me? Is it something as simple as that? Or is it, like, yeah, what what would be your best and worst experience at a show? Okay. Um, worst experience, I would definitely say, was... <coughs> um, I just came back from Europe in end of 2001, so to, early 2002, I think it was January 2002, we played like a welcome home show at, um, at the Esplanade in St Kilda in the Gershwin Room, and it was packed. There was like over four, 500 people there, whatever. It was packed to capacity. We got up on stage and we started with Two Minds, One Soul. Um, the first strum of the strings, of the strings, I broke a string. <laughs> So straight away I had to swap guitars. That was fine. Um, my friend Richie, who was guitar checking for me that night, he, he still said to me, he goes, remember that night? I'm like, yeah, you know. Um, 
another another probably could have been really bad experience was um, playing in a place called Cesena in Italy back in 2008 um, in Italy, and um, you know we headbang a lot on stage. With the head banging, of course, sometimes you forget to breathe, and so you have this, like, you know, you get a couple of light spots in your in your brain, or you probably get a little bit dizzy because you know you're not putting that much oxygen to your brain. It's pretty stupid, but um, the stage had a bit of a slant towards the front, you know, and the stage was quite high. It was probably a good, you know, you know, six and a half feet to seven feet high from the crowd, and there was a barrier there. Um, in between the stage and the barrier, there was quite, you know, a six and a half to seven foot drop. Um, and I'll never forget, I was headbanging and I stood up straight and I nearly passed out on stage. But when I, when, I, when I was nearly passing out, I was about to actually fall off the stage. And it wasn't until one of the guitar techs, Michael, a guy from Poland on that tour, actually grabbed the back of my belt and held me, and, and it wasn't until I looked at him and just went, oh, okay, I'm all right, I could play the rest of the show and let me go. There's not a problem, so I didn't fall. But I had a moment where I was nearly about to pass out on stage and fall, quite a quite a, uh, a drop off the stage, because the stage had a bit of a slant towards the front. That was a weird experience and a very dangerous one. Um, the best experience yeah. is, is playing live is probably playing... So our home home crowded, you know, in Melbourne at Rod Laver Arena, you know, I mean, supporting Iron Maiden, that was amazing, you know, um, to you know, yeah. going to the back of my amp and getting my drink and and having Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden just he's behind the curtain watching us, and I and I, so I gave him a nod and he gives me the double thumbs up, you know what I mean? And he's watching Christian play. I mean, that was like wow, that was pretty cool, you know, um, yeah. you know, and 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 and. I think for Christian Wallace too to have Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden watching him, that was a big buzz for him because he's a really good drummer. Of course, Nico McBrain's a god on the drums, you know. But in general, just that, those yeah. were the good and the bad experiences, you know. Every every show, you know, has its you know um, inverted commas and quote unquote technical difficulties. It's just part of the game, man. It happens, you know. Um, you're not always going to get a sound check. Sometimes you don't get a line check. You just plug in and play and, and just hope for the best and, and just do what you do and go off, you know, and, and hope that the sound guy understands and can decipher the mess, whatever, through the PA, and everybody else is enjoying it. You know, that's it's just the way it goes. Yeah. Well, even, like, not that this is a gig, but even with this interview, I had some technical difficulties and... I've had to record it in a different way to what I usually do. You can't plan for that stuff. If you, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the thing. I think with I think with playing live, it's um any musician that that's expecting to have a golden moment every time they're playing live is bullshitting themselves. You know, it's um you, you're going to have times when you're playing live where you know the guitar might stuff up or uh, uh, you might have a bodgy lead or some of the, or the amp or the cabinet, you, you, you're hiring, whatever, is not working correctly. That happens. That's just part of the game, you know, and you just try not to let it you know, get the, the, the better of you and just keep on going. And as long as you're enjoying yourself, and, and the most important thing, as long as the people are enjoying themselves, that's a good thing, you know. That's probably why I've been doing this for so many years yeah. because I'm, I'm years ago I used to be really anal about it, thinking, oh, geez, you know, got to make sure it's all correct. Whereas now I'm a little bit old. I'm older. I'm just like, you know what? 
just let's just do it. Let's have fun. Just do it. You know what I mean? And and not bullshit around too much. You know. And uh, going back to the uh, Iron Maiden, like supporting them at Rod Dave Arena. Uh, going back to what you said in the previous interview about uh, listening to Number of the Beast back in Poland, um, that must have been a surreal moment to uh, be playing for the guys who, like, were one of the bands that got you into this genre, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, like, what, what was that like? Because like, I, I, for one, can't fathom what that would be like. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. It was um, dream come true, basically because that happened. Uh, that happened just over six years ago. So I still remember it like it was yesterday. But it was an absolute dream come true when it happened. Um, you know, we we got to meet the guys, of course, like any band gets to, and um, you know, and they are absolute gentlemen you know it's a testament as to why they've been in the industry for so long because yes they're musicians they're business people but they are gentlemen they're very respectful to their crew um to the people around them to the organization in general and 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 they respect what they do because they know the level of impact that their music gives so many people and the, the, amount, the level of joy and the amount of joy it provides to so many people and so many fans out in the world, myself including, I suppose yourself included as well. Um, so, you know, it was a real, it was a, it was a real honour to support them, to be honest with you. Their crew was amazing. Their crew treated us really well. Um, and the guys from my mind were really, really lovely as well. The management was lovely as well. You know, there's nothing I could say bad about it. It was, it was, oh, man, it was four and a half days of just utopia for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to say. It was amazing. And to play, you know, um, two shows in our hometown in Melbourne to 13, 14,000 people, you know, on our home ground, supporting a band like Iron Maiden was amazing. Um, I don't think it'll ever get better than that. I don't know, maybe it could be with Metallica or something like that. But for me, supporting Iron Maiden here, that was that was it. You know, that was the, the bee's knees, you know what I mean? So um oh man. I, I, I'm I'm thinking about it and I I can't even get the smile off my own face, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Because, yeah. uh for me, my my idols in the music industry, I cop a little bit of flack for it, but it's most mostly I don't give a shit. Uh, it's the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, yep. and everybody's surprised that it's actually not a metal band. But uh, I actually met them back in two thousand and thirteen. I spent a few hours with them before they played the Sydney Big Day Out, and like I didn't even get to uh, play like music to them so like I met them and I hung out with them but like to actually play my music would have been even more surreal if you know what I mean like, yeah would have been great <coughs> and to do that like you just said with your to your idols and to have their drummer like sitting there watching your set intently yeah I can't I can't describe words for like how awesome that must have been. Man, I, Tom, I think about it now and I just go, wow, <laughs> you know, like, and that's honest truth. It's, <laughs> um, because, 
you know, I, I would I would have had. I think my experience would have been pretty much um, similar to yours as well. Like you know, with you meeting Red Hot Chili Peppers and hanging out with them, I've been lucky in that sense that you know, yes, I got to you know say go to them and stuff like that, and you know have a chat with them and stuff like that. And they're they're all good folks, you know. They they give you a little bit of time. I suppose the one guy that I'm spewing that I didn't say hello to, and I had an opportunity to to say hello to him because he was one of my guitar heroes when I was younger was Adrian Smith. And I remember I was walking out with my guitars out through the foyer and he was just sitting there having a beer. And he looked at me and I'm, I'm looking at him like, you know, hey, how are you going type of thing? But I got nervous and I kept on walking. And I looked back at that and I said to myself, I should have stopped and said good because also in my gig bag, I had also had the Adrian Smith Project, ASAP. I had his CD, the, the original CD, which is really rare. Um, it's, I think it's called Silver and Blood or Silver and Gold. I can't remember, but I've got it's really rare CD. But I had that there, and I, and I had the, the the silver pen there to get it signed. But man, I completely choked up and shit myself. Just kept on walking. I was just you know, and I suppose I I, I just kept on walking because I thought, man, this guy is awesome. But I, I didn't want to ruin that that dream of meeting another person that I really idolized when I was younger and then, you know, finding out that they're an idiot or something like that, which I'm sure Adrian Smith isn't, but I've got to meet other musicians in the past or we've, we've, we've supported some bands, especially some bands where, you know, the guitarist, for example, would have had made a big, big impact on me. And I'm not going to name, name, any, name any names, but like, you know, when I got to actually meet the guitarist, it was a complete other cockhead, you know? So, you know... Yeah. That was one of them things. I left it to him. I never know what it, what, what it was like to just hit him and say good to him. But I mean, I'm sure, like all the rest of the guys, he would have been an absolute gentleman, you know. But hey, that happens. Yeah. That's my fanboy story for the yeah. evening. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, getting back to Australian metal, uh, who are your favourite Aussie metal bands from either the past or the present? Like they could be from the seventies or sixties or from the eighties, mm-hmm. or they could still be going. Like who who would you say personally are your? Favorite? I would definitely say like it stems from a lot of bands. Um, going back to bands like from Melbourne called Hyperion. Um, and Hyperion were an amazing band. They actually had an album called Inundation, which is a great album. Um, then you had bands from uh, a band from Perth. Um, which, which was called Allegiance made many years ago. Um, they released a Destitution album, which just to me was just like a corker of an album. Um, that was a great album. I love their stuff. I still occasionally listen to that to this day. And even my wife, Simone, actually remembers that album. She likes that album as well. Um, and, of course, stuff like Damage. I like Damage, but um, I like what Psychoptic are doing. Um, I'm just trying to think who else... Uh, Lord, of course, from New South Wales, really enjoy their music. Um, oh man, there's just there's so many bands that I do like of this stuff, Australian stuff. There was a lot of bands that I really enjoyed many years ago as well, like bands like Against the Grain, which are no which no longer uh, exist. They were a Melbourne band. They were really cool. Um, bands like Terror Maze, although I'm not a big fan of what Terror Maze do because it's a little bit sometimes too technical, too proggy for me. But Dean Wells is like one of my best friends, and um, seeing the amount of effort and music and, 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 and music he puts into it, and the amount of love he puts into it, 
I really respect and 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 have a, a, a very warm feeling for Terry Mayers and Dean the way he creates music because he's an amazing musician, an amazing person. Um, sometimes it's just a little bit too proggy for me, but you know they're another band that I do like. Um, of course, Black Majesty and I fear from Melbourne. You know, we, we've known the guys for many years and we still like the music they're playing. Danny C from I has got an amazing voice. And Geo, uh, of course, Geo I've known for 20-odd years as a singer from Black Majesty. You know what I mean? He's a lovely guy and he's got awesome pipes on him as well. Jeez, um, I'm trying to think. Even bands like The Eternal, Mark Kelson, after all these years, is still doing it. You know what I mean? Like VP as well. So he's releasing albums. He's, he's an amazing artist, an amazing musician, and a really nice guy. So, um, you know, I, I like a lot of bands, man, even Frankenbach and stuff like that too. You know what I mean? I reckon what King Parrot are doing is awesome as well, and they're really, you know, pushing hard with it. They're working hard. So, you know, all props to them, man. You know, there, there, there's so many bands I like. <laughs> yeah. So, have you seen the uh, new heavy metal documentary, Metal Yes, Down? man. Yeah, I actually bought it. <laughs> I, I watched it the other day for the first time. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, it's really good, man. I mean, it, it, it touches upon all the Australian, all, a lot of, not, I wouldn't say all of them, but it touches upon a lot of the Australian bands and a lot of this, like, the older bands that were, you know, they should have been bigger, etc., but never became, you know what I mean? But at the same time, too, it was really good and informative. Um, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was really good. I watched all three, you know, DVDs on the Wednesday night that I got it, and um, I was wrapped with it. It was really good. Well, are they, from memory, in, I think it was just three, or segment three, they uh, actually talk about Vanishing Point in one of the segments in that. Man, yeah, we're happy with the plug. I think it was, yeah, Denny from Voyager gave us a little bit of a plug, whatever, and we're happy about that. That was, that was cool because, you know, um, it's 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 a, it's a thing, you know I mean? Like, you know, when you release a, a documentary like that, it's impossible to cover every band out there. You know what I mean? For, for, for every band yeah. that people learn and find out about on that DVD documentary, there's probably another five, ten bands that people you know, they've got a story as well. But it's impossible for a director to capture all the stories of all the bands, you know what I mean? So I just think it's it's, yeah. it's, it's really good what they've done because they've, they've, they've raised a bit of awareness on, you know, that this place called The Land Down Under is not just about kangaroos and barbecues and, you know, and, and, and the Sydney Opera House and shit like that. It's There are a lot of bands and there were a lot of bands here they were playing, you know, great heavy metal music, you know, and, and, and heavy music in general that was up there with the stuff that was from overseas. But in a lot of cases, we just never got heard, unfortunately. Yeah. And I love the way that uh, he went all the way back to, like, bands like Damage and Slaughter Lord, all the way up to bands like King Parrot, who were doing it today. And he covered that spectrum, but he didn't, it didn't push it too hard to go into like the absolute depths of it and like like you said, do every single band. He just did the most. Yeah, exactly ones, right. You know, you know what I mean to like keep people interested. But hopefully down the road, he if it's a success, he might do a sequel. Hopefully and like expand on it a bit more. If you know, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. See what happens. But um, I, uh. 
I loved uh, during it when he was interviewing Jason from Blood Duster, and uh, he was describing Psychroptic. Uh, Dave Haley is the drummer for Psychroptic and the drummer for Blood Duster. I'm not sure if Jason was serious because I can never tell when that man is being serious. <laughs> when he when he said psychoptic when he said psychoptic music sounds like a typewriter falling downstairs. <laughs> falling downstairs. Yeah. Uh, I said they're not busy myself laughing. I think that's just that's just typical yeah. <laughs> Jason from Blood Duster humor. You know what I mean? Like the guy's a pisser. I mean, you know, I think his stu- yeah. his recording studio in Melbourne, it's called Goat Sound <laughs> Studios or something like that, man. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> I can never tell when he's being serious because, yeah, but, like, well, I, for one, like Psychoptic, but, like, if that was serious, that is pretty Oh, cool. yeah, no, it's a, that's a typical... I reckon a typical blood dust of humour, I mean, because my wife and I actually... My wife and I, truth be known, met at a blood duster gig many years ago. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> that's a true story. It's so stupid, but it's it's true. <laughs> and, and it was funny because I never forget. I had a couple, a few drinks that night before I got talking to my wife. But I never forget that blood duster gig. That um, some random guy got um, the singer, the vocalist, um, microphone, and started just screaming into it. Whatever, and the band just kept on playing. The, the, the singer from Blood Duster got, you know, got the mic back and would just build the guy over the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> and all you could do was just thwack, 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 thwack through the bloody PA system. And I just thought that was just brilliant. <laughs> but technically, they haven't broken up, but they just don't perform very much anymore. Is that Blood Duster? So, like, hopefully they... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. you know, I mean, do they want to? Do they need to? I mean, the, the Blood Dust has always been one of them bands that just does what they want, you know? It's like it's like 99. 99.5% of the bands in Australia, you know, we just we just do what we want to a degree, you know? And, you know, if it's fun, it's fun. If it's not, it's not. If you can be asked doing it, do it. If you can't, then don't do it, you know? It's the way it's always been, you know? Yeah. I think that's, that, that's the beauty of, you know... Australian heavy metal music in general, you know, there's no, um, there's no sugar coating on it, you know? Well, on that note, we're going to have to end the interview, uh, this week, unfortunately. Uh, we're running short on time. No worries, uh, man. Before we leave, uh, do you have any social media plugs for the bands, for your band, like, uh, Facebook? Yeah, sure. Is it Facebook forward slash Vanishing Point Band, or is it just Vanishing Point? Yeah, I think it's um, Vanishing Point Official on Facebook. Um, if anybody just like wants to do a Facebook search anyway, um, under Australia, whatever, our name will come up there. And, uh, I'm sorry, man, I'm yawning because I'm just an old fart, but I'm just trying to think now, um, in general, also, like, you know, if they want to have a look at the website as well, we've got a web store there which we sell some merch and there's information on our upcoming tour of Japan, etc. Um, it's uh, www. Uh, no, www vanishing the sorry www.vanishing/point.com.au 
And so, I'll post the... you know, these space.coms and all that type of shit just confuses me. But, yeah, if you have if you type in Vanishing Point into a search engine like Google or whatever, it pretty much should have us up there in the first five related searches, whatever. And, um, yeah, check out our stuff. And I hope the people out there like our music. And, um, you know, if you like it, whatever, send us a message. Whatever, if you want to buy some merch, even better. Um, and, you know... Just enjoy the music. That's all we can say. And to everybody out there, thanks for the interest. I'll uh, make sure I post links on my uh, Facebook page, etc., and put it up on Twitter for those out there who use Twitter. Uh, now we've got to end the interview on the uh, same as last time, the multiple choice. But uh, because I'm lazy and I haven't figured out another question, uh, you got to pick A or C. Ask me a question or give me the quote of the week for next week's show. What what, what was C again? Uh, give me the quote of the week for next week's show. I'll give you the quote of the week for next week's show. Okay. Unleash the penguins. <laughs> Unleash the penguins. <laughs> uh, where did that come from? I don't know. That's just my typical, typical stupid shit humour. On Facebook, I tend to always say something about penguins or goats or something like that. Like, if somebody, if somebody's having a massive rant on Facebook, whatever, and there's like, you know, you know, hundreds of replies or quite a few replies, whatever. I generally reply with, "I like penguins," and I put a full stop to it. <laughs> and the funny thing is that some people actually like my comment because it's like a random and doesn't mean shit, but it's fantastic. <laughs> That was awesome. <laughs> that, yeah, that that has to be one of the best quotes that I've gotten so far. <laughs> well, the thing is, it actually stems from years ago. I saw on um, on on Facebook or somewhere there was actually a, a picture of these um, scientists in the Antarctica or the North Pole, and it's, there's a penguin standing right next to them, and the caption somebody wrote was, "Hello, I would like to science, please." <laughs> <laughs> I just reckon that's fantastic. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, Chris, uh, we're we're literally out of time. I think my t- yeah my time ended. Uh, this has been a very entertaining interview. Uh, You're actually, welcome, man. We didn't even get through all of the questions. Like, uh, there's about four questions still there. Maybe. Like somewhere in the future, we can do it again. Absolutely, man. More than help. More than more than more than happy to do them. So I'm not a problem at all, bro. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for giving up your time on a Saturday night. And uh, yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Chris Pachenko from Vanishing Point. Cheers, everybody. Like Thank I said, you. I'll, like I said, I'll throw up all your links on the Facebook page. Thanks, man. Thank you very much for that, bro. Cheers. Please hang up and try again. So that was part two of the interview with Chris Bochenko of Vanishing Point. Once again, thank you very much, Chris, for being on the show. Uh, it was very enjoyable, and you're welcome back anytime, mate. Uh, anytime you want to appear on the show, just hit me up, and I'll make a room for you, and make sure you're on the show whenever you want. Um. Yeah, we'll have to catch up sometime in the future.
especially when you're doing a show up this way, I'll turn up and we'll have a chat and have a uh, a soft drink or a coffee or something together and yeah, we'll we'll catch up and yeah. But uh, right now I want to uh, say to all the fathers like Chris, like myself, like my brother and my uh, my dad, obviously, uh, my my deceased grandfather, uh, my father-in-law. I want to say Happy Father's Day to you all. Uh, to my brother-in-law. Uh, yeah, I'm only gonna say Happy Father's Day to one. The other two can go to hell. Uh. But, uh, yeah, happy Father's Day to you all. Uh, this Saturday, I'm actually traveling to Orange, New South Wales, to, uh, visit family. So, I'll be recording next week's show on the road, which means I'll be recording it this way with the Zoom and the microphone. Once again, uh, and on next week's show, we'll, uh talk about uh Tranquil magazine how it's picking up even further uh and about how we advertised in it a few weeks ago and we're just finding the uh funds to advertise in it again um on next week's show like I said we're recording in orange uh and we have a uh guest an orange metalhead we don't know who it is yet it will be a mystery, but it will be a metalhead from Orange live on the show. Recorded live via microphone, not by phone call for once, for the very first time in the history of the show. So, uh, yeah, we are, are going to end the show here. And, uh, yeah, unleash No Way Less next week's of the week isn't it not this week so uh for this week goodbye i love you